Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Conscious Diva podcast. I'm Tatiana Wright and thank you for joining me in this series on consciousness. Today's conversation is about conscious healing. And joining me is Dr. Lisa Rankin, author of seven New York Times best-selling books. She's also a physician, speaker, founder of the Whole Health Medicine Institute, and mystic. She's a connector, collaborator, curator, and amplifier, broadcasting not only her unique visionary ideas, but also those of cutting-edge visionaries. Her TEDx talks have been viewed over 2.0 million times, which is pretty amazing. Lisa also experienced her own conscious healing awakening, which she will share. Welcome, Lisa. So exciting to have you. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you and with everybody who's listening. Thank you. So I I love your personal story of conscious healing. And when I first read your story a while ago, I was I was so struck by your deep trust in the divine. You clearly have an amazingly strong relationship with your higher self or your inner pilot light, as you call it. I've I've never heard the term inner pilot light, but it makes sense because you have this amazing, profound guidance. Can you tell me about the story and then a little bit about how you came up with the inner pilot life? Yes, yes. so last year I was hiking. I was hiking in near beach on the ocean. I was up at sunrise watching the sunrise with this lovely young man who had a pit bull on a leash sitting next to him, um, calmly watching the sunrise, and all of a sudden the pit bull just struck like a snake jumped out at me and took a about a six by four inch chunk of my inner thigh out of me. Yeah, which sounds pretty, I mean, like, right, yeah, a a gouge. A big hole, full full thickness through the skin into the subcutaneous tissue. So if you looked at my leg, it was fat and blood. And the man who owned the pit bull was, you know, yanking the pit bull off of me. He was on a leash, so he was doing everything he knew how to do to get the pit bull off of me. And then was saying, okay, well, I guess, what do I do? He was terrified. What do I do? Do I call 911? And I have this relationship with my inner guidance that I call my inner pilot light with the divine spark in me. And it gives me instructions when I ask, when I'm humble and admit that I don't always know what is the best course of action. And if I ask, especially if I'm asking in emergency situations, it's usually very fast. Sometimes non-emergent things, I don't get the answer as quickly as I would like. But usually in emergencies, the response is quick. Mm. So I asked my inner guidance, do I need to go to the hospital? And it was very clear, no. Ask him to take you home. So I asked him if he would um, carry me to his car and drive me to my house, which was only a few minutes away, and carry me up the stairs in my house to my bathtub and help me get undressed. And he was horrified when he saw me take my pants off and saw this big hole in my leg and very scared. Um, and he said, are you sure you don't want me to take you to the doctor? And I said, no, I am a doctor. And... I'm going to start by cleaning my own wound because that's the most important thing is to get the bacteria of the dog's mouth out of my wound as quickly as possible. And possibly the worst place on the planet for me right now is an emergency room full of resistant bacteria <laughs> yeah. when I have a very vulnerable opening in my energy body and my physical body. 
And so he didn't really believe me, but he followed the instructions. I was very clear in my instructions. Yeah, I was going to say, it's amazing because you, you, you were there not just for yourself on a higher level, but you were there for him as well. Yes. He, in fact, he was, he was really afraid I was going to call the cops. He was afraid I was going to get his dog killed. Like, he had a lot of fear. Wow. And so, and he started crying. He was like, why aren't you mad at me? Why aren't you yelling at me? Like, and I said, because you didn't do anything wrong. This was an accident. I don't know why it happened, but I'll keep you, give me your phone number and I'll send you photos and I'll let you know that I'm doing okay. And, you know, we'll, we'll send your dog to get checked out at the animal control and like, everything's going to be okay. Mm. So he followed my instructions. I got into the bathtub, and I started getting instructions from my inner pilot light very quickly, which started with call one of my friends, who's a medical doctor, emergency room physician, who's also an energy healer, and I called him. He, I, I paged him. He was in the hospital. He picked up right away. I told him what my guidance was telling me, and he said, You're to, I, I support you. Let me tell you what we would do if you came to the emergency room and I'm going to help you do it at home. So that was going to require taking my shower head and putting it in my wound and cleaning, lavaging my own wound. And I wasn't sure I'd be able to do that without passing out. So you're holding and, a phone on speaker trying to figure out what yes. following his, his instructions. Okay. And yeah. the whole so time, telling me, you know, go to the, you're going to need to get somebody who can, handle putting a shower head in your leg. Uh, I'm going to call in an antibiotic for you that you can choose to take or not take. Um, you're going to need to get to the drugstore to get a tetanus shot. You know, he's giving me instructions. So, um, and he said, Come, you know, I want you to see a plastic surgeon within 24 hours and let me help you get an appointment. And you're going to need to call animal control to have the dog checked out. Okay, so... I've covered my Western medical bases by calling an emergency room physician who's a friend of mine. Not everybody has an ER doc on call on their cell phone. <laughs> as soon as I hung up with Ed, I called one of my energy healer um, friends who I've interviewed for my book, Sacred Medicine. Mm -hmm. And I told him what just happened, and he started laughing. He has a six-month waiting list because he's such an exceptional healer, like miraculous healing people's cancer goes away, stuff like that. So I called him second, and he said last night his first client of the day canceled. And usually he asks his guidance which person on the wait list he should put on that, in that spot. But his guidance told him that spot is already taken. And I called right exactly at the time of his first client that had canceled. So mm -hmm. I told him what happened. And he said, okay, let me ask you as a medical doctor, like, what kind of energy healing support do you need? Like, be specific. I was like, well, I need immune boosting because I have a very a wound that's going to be very vulnerable to bad infection. I need tissue rebuilding repair because I'm going to need to grow new tissue. Mm-hmm. I need trauma healing because I don't want to get PTSD from this. Uh, so I was very specific, kind of going through as a doctor, knowing what is it going to take for my body to do this so that he could do his magic, which works. he works with sacred geometries 
uh-huh. in a way that my mind does not understand. Wow. Um, so he did his hocus pocus <laughs> over the phone um, as a remote healing to support me. And I also asked him to offer trauma healing to the boy um, whose dog bit me because I could tell he was really traumatized. So um, he did his thing, and by the time I got off the phone with first Ed and then my healer, um, my boyfriend had arrived at the house because I had sent a photo of my very gory graphic wound, and I instructed him on what he needed to do to my wound. And I also very much protected the upstairs space of my house. I, I made it known that I needed a fearless space. I needed, nobody was allowed upstairs near me if they were afraid, mm-hmm. So, which meant that my mother couldn't come up. And these and, were all messages coming from the divine through you, and you were feeling them and hearing them in your mind. You just I knew. I was calling into- out thoughts, yes. Okay. I was calling out orders just like I was in the doctor in the emergency room. But I'm getting the orders as like sort of a voice in my head. Yeah. And then I'm calling upon these other support people so I'm now saying, you know, go to the drugstore and get this antibiotic and, like, I'm going to need to go get a tetanus shot. But here, you're going to have to hold this shower head and hold it on me like this. Um, and the, my roommate and my boyfriend were capable of holding that unafraid space. My mother wasn't. She was freaking out downstairs, thinking that I was in shock and that we, I needed to be forcibly put in the car to go to the emergency room. <laughs> to see a doctor and handle this. My father was a doctor. I grew up in hospitals. I'm a doctor. So I understand why she felt that way, but she was freaking out, and I knew that wasn't going to help me Mm -hmm. because I have a part that could have freaked out too, and I didn't want to feed that part at all. Yes. So this whole time I was very calm, and I was using my meditation practice. This is why we practice, so that when we need it, we know how to discipline our minds. Yes. So I was very much using my... Um, my meditation practice to hold that trust in the divine, that space of uh, relaxation in my nervous system um, and noticing any stories that were coming in uh, and doing my work. <laughs> but was it a story. specific mantra you were, you were chanting to yourself as well in meditation? I'm because chanting a mantra. Yes. Um, thank you for this gift of love. Thank you, you know, for this we, gift of love. I mean, that's really beautiful. Thank you for this gift of love. Because it's, it's not a Sanskrit mantra, it's an English mantra, yeah. and it's really beautiful because anybody can just use that. And, and tell me, yes. why was that? My friend Karen Drucker is a musician who had written a song for me about that mantra, so I was singing it. I was actually singing, thank you for this gift of love, thank you for this gift of love, out loud. Wow. And that um, allowed you to transcend into a very profound place, right, where you couldn't, you weren't feeling the pain anymore. You were just... I wasn't feeling pain. I, I knew it was a spiritual bypass. I knew that at some point I was supposed to feel pain in a situation like that mm-hmm. um, because we're supposed to get help. Right. <laughs> so I knew that I was using my practice to transcend the pain, but I also knew that I couldn't just stay with an open wound. So I knew that it was a temporary thing and it required a tremendous amount of focus. And it required not being distracted. It's amazing because, you know, I know you've had a decades-long personal spiritual practice and study, um, as have I. So 
um, I what you're saying to me uh, completely makes sense. But what what do you say to people who may who've never or just started on this path or have never meditated or don't know what a mantra might be, or they just think it's some you know like you, you said hocus pocus earlier? But th- there's the magic that happens comes as a result of trusting and relaxing and giving over to the divine. So how do you explain it um, in a very, I guess, layman's language, sort of this metaphysical practice and experience that's taking place that allowed you to go to this very unique part of yourself that allowed this healing? You know, it's, it's amazing. Well, I'll answer with a paradox, <laughs> because my first response to your question is, I have no idea, Tatiana, I have no idea. That's why I'm researching sacred medicine, because I don't know how this works. I don't cognitively understand this process. And I say mm. I'll answer with a paradox, because I also know something that I can share. Yeah. Um, which I try to, I, I have a daily practice of connecting to the inner pilot light of the world. And I write an email, I, I listen to that collective guidance, and I write a daily email called The Daily Flame. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have 100,000 people that open their daily flames and read love letters from their inner pilot light. Uh, and part of the reason that I do that is because I'm literally teaching people what that voice sounds like, it may not be a voice, it may be a vision, it may be dreams, it may come in lots of different ways, but I use that daily email as a way to help people connect to their own inner pilot light. I ask for instructions from my inner pilot light, what can other people do to connect to their inner pilot light? Oh, that's beautiful. So that's where it starts, but it requires trust, and that I can't teach. I can't teach people trust. Mm. that I had already like I don't know people ask me how did you get how did you learn to trust but I don't remember ever not having trust so I didn't learn to trust I trust and I like to tell people that you know I used to have blind faith and now I have evidence based faith (laughs) because I see what happens when I trust and I listen and I get instructions, and they are usually terrifying instructions because they sound crazy. Yeah. <laughs> they, they sound crazy. Yeah, I understand completely. I'm, a doctor. I'm like, I'm not one of these new age flaky fairy crystal people. I'm like a scientist. Yeah, it's funny. Who, who was raised by very conservative parents, you know? So I still have a part that's shocked by what my guidance tells me, and it argues with my guidance all every time still. My mind, sometimes it likes what my guidance says, but 90% of the time it does not like what my guidance says. And it argues and it makes a whole case, and I think it's adorable, and like, wow, my mind has an opinion about my guidance every time, even still. So it's like your medically trained self is is telling you, no, well, this can't be right. But then the divine magic that's taking over is like, oh, be quiet. This is, you know, watch and see what Not comes out. It's fine. My guidance finds my mind adorable. <laughs> that's cute. It's like, oh, my God, you're so cute. You think you know how to run Melissa's life better than me. You're so cute. <laughs> oh, that's really sweet. So is this the oneness consciousness that you talk about? <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Um, It's, like I said, 
I, I really love, um, I love Mr. Schwartz and his work around internal family systems, IFS. He's a, a psychotherapist who's created a, a model that he's been using for 30 years, and it's evidence-based, and it's amazing. Mm, can you re- repeat his name? Repeat his name? His name is Richard Schwartz. Okay. Dick Schwartz. Mm-hmm. And he basically teaches that we all have multiple personality disorders, except the healthy people that don't end up in psychiatric wards have what he calls self-leadership. So it's almost like, imagine that we have 30 inner children in a school bus, and who's driving? So you don't want these inner children driving. So you've got to make sure you've got a good bus driver. So my inner pilot light is the bus driver. So how do I tell the difference between my inner pilot light and all the other voices in my head that have opinions about how I should live my life? That's the practice. Mm-hmm. So I have cultivated self-leadership. I have cultivated my inner pilot light gets the lead. Everybody else is allowed to have a voice. Nobody gets exiled. Nobody is demonized. Nobody is told to shut up. But the children don't get to get at the wheel. Okay. And, is and that, that is a practice. This is he teaches an amazing meditation practice. Dick does, where basically in the when he does his morning practice, he invites all of his parts to show up and let him know anything they want Dick's self to know. And I do this too. So I listen to my parts. I don't demonize them. I don't bypass them. I don't tell them to go away. I listen to them, and then they learn to trust my inner pilot light, like a good parent. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm going to so, try that. Yeah. I, I say um, one of my practices um, is thoughts that are not my own leave now, but I like the fact that you are recognizing those other thoughts because they are there, and the thoughts that do not that are thoughts that are not mine leave now often works um, for you know moments where all kinds of clutter is coming in, and I need to really clear my mind so I can focus on something specific or call in something specific. But I'm I'm going to try this this approach and, and look up yeah, his work because it'll be interesting. Trauma is basically traumatizing to all the inner children that are trying to protect mm, you. So if you listen to them. But you don't identify with them. You don't, he calls it blending. You don't blend with them. You don't let them take the wheel. But you also don't tell them they have to leave. You become intimate with them. You earn their trust. And then the self can negotiate with the parts, just like it's called internal family systems, because it's like an internal family. You've got a whole family of parts. Most of them are responding from past trauma. We all have trauma, every one of us. It is, I don't believe in a perfect human. Uh, I don't believe in, quote-unquote, enlightenment. I don't believe there's such a state of an un- completely clear, untraumatized person who has no voice but, you know, pilot light. Mm-hmm. I've met the people on this planet that people think are enlightened, and trust me, they're not. They have parts, too. <laughs> <laughs> so that, to me, is really relaxing to my system to let go of any thought that there's some sort of human perfection like I think humans are just by nature we have parts yeah how cute and and so well that goes back to the the, you finishing your story because you I would imagine so many parts (laughs) would have been coming up and saying no what's that no what are you doing are you seriously gonna let him hose your wound like what so you know my parts are having a fit which is why I needed to have my physical space a fear free zone because I needed the focus of my practice to 
to allow self-leadership mm-hmm. or inner pilot leadership. I, I, Dick likes to avoid words like soul or the divine because he really is trying to get his work very mainstream. Yeah. And it is getting mainstream buy-in, but um, it's, to me it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't care what language people use. But for me, that inner pilot like leadership um, showing up, giving the instructions, and the trust that if I listen, things will go, I won't even say things will go well. I will say things will go according to divine will. Things yes. will go the way they're supposed to go. Things will go in the flow of what my soul has chosen for me. And I participate with that. It's not like I believe in some sort of predestined journey. But I do believe that there is an organizing intelligence that is smarter than my mind, that is well, wiser it's like than you, my parts. You knew you were going to be fine. I knew I was going to be fine, but it's beyond fine. It's thank you for this gift of love. I know this happened because something amazing is going to come as a result of this experience. Thank you in advance. I don't know what that amazing thing is yet, but maybe it's this, talking to you on a podcast and sharing this experience with people. Thank you for this gift of love preemptively because many of us have had traumatic experiences. Yes. And we can look back 10 years later and say, oh my God, that was such a transformative crucible. Oh, absolutely. That my whole life changed because of that traumatic thing. Thank you. Yes. And, you know, I'd love you to just expand on that a little bit more because I, I think there's, um, is it Ram Dass um, has a saying of fierce grace, right? That um, this, this feeling of this transformation that occurs because he had a terrible stroke and he had to face this period where he he almost couldn't believe it. How could this happen to me? I have this amazing relationship with the divine and yet this happened. I still had a a debilitating stroke that's left me in a wheelchair, but he overcame that. And it's, it's kind of what you're talking about. Like you, 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 in retrospect, you go, wow, I didn't see that was why this happened, this terrible thing, because you can't in that moment. Can you talk about Pranoia? Rob Brinsky saying, because it relates to all of this. It's really interesting. Yeah, I, it's funny because I was just having this conversation with my new mother-in-law. I just got married. Um, and she doesn't really understand paranoia, so she thinks I'm a little crazy. <laughs> um, paranoia is, uh, Rob Bresney just defines it as the opposite of paranoia. It's the unshakable faith that everything in the universe is conspiring to shower us with blessings. Yeah, which is beautiful. Which is, it may or may not be true. I don't need to know whether or not it's true. What I can tell you is that it serves me to believe that. Yeah, and, and it does. I, I My gut reaction when I first read that was, wow, that's really beautiful. Yeah, but, and people challenge Rob with things like, how can you say the universe is conspiring to shower us with blessings when there's things like the whole Right. Absolutely. And Absolutely. It's like, well, sometimes that's what we need to wake up human consciousness. We need to collectively invoke such a deep trauma that we promise ourselves this will never happen again. Mm. We're never going to let this happen again. Thank you for this gift of love. Yes. And that's a shocking thing to try to say when people are have survived an intense trauma. Yes. When somebody, you know, and I don't recommend saying this to somebody in the middle of an acute trauma. Like, you don't say to a woman who was just raped, oh, you need to chant the mantra, thank you for this gift of love. I'm using it intentionally to, as, as 
a shot while I'm in the bathtub. And my mind does not think this is a gift of love. My mind thinks my life has just been destroyed and I might lose my leg. And my mind is going into a whole story of how I'm not going to be able to walk and hiking is my favorite spiritual practice and how am I going to get through this and blah. So I'm using it as a spiritual bypass intentionally to anesthetize myself so that I can get through this experience so that I can then tend to the wound and go see the plastic surgeon and do the things that I'm going to need to do to make sure that I'm safe. And I believe that that can be really amazing practice when somebody is in the middle of an acute trauma, like my mother's dying, and I'm watching this devastating loss, and I'm chanting and singing to my dying mother, thank you for this gift of love, because really, the only reason it hurts so much to lose her is because I loved her so much. Yeah. So there I am. So anyway, I do choose to believe in paranoia. I choose to believe that even when things are happening I don't like, Ultimately, they are going to be a gift of love because that's going to be where I get my soul growth. Mm. And I just went through three years of back-to-back hardcore trauma of devastating things that felt completely out of my control. It can make a really strong case for why the universe is not conspiring to shower me with blessings. Mm. But my inner pilot light knows how to comfort and support and listen to that victim part. And allow it to feel all of its feelings and not bypass. To feel grief, to feel hurt, to feel anger, to feel disappointment. I don't believe we can be human without fully feeling all of those feelings. It hurts to be human. Yeah. I don't believe in the Buddhist teaching that says, you know, pain is inevitable but suffering is optional. I'm like, no, suffering is inevitable. <laughs> if you're in a human body, you are going to suffer. It's a misleading teaching to suggest that it's possible to be a, a human who doesn't ever suffer. I, I know I'm going to suffer in some way as a result of this pitbull wound, but I also know it's a gift of love and the universe is conspiring to shower me with love. And so what you were experiencing was conscious healing on so many different levels, on an emotional level, but on a physical level too. And yes. there's such a powerful connection between the two. Yes. So how... So, how long did it take you to heal before you were... <laughs> Here's what happened. So I, I, uh, I followed the instructions from the emergency room physician of how to clean my wound and how to dress my wound, and I made an appointment to see a plastic surgeon. plastic surgeon saw my wound and said, there's no way this is going to heal on its own. There's just, it's too deep and there's not enough skin. It, it, the hole is too big. You're going to have to get skin grafts. Uh, it's going to take at least six to eight weeks to make sure that there's no infection there. And then we're going to have to take skin from other places and do a, either a transplant or skin grafts. And she's outlining this long, complicated months of multiple surgeries. Um, and my inner pilot is, light is going, nope, <laughs> nope. I'm listening, but, but it's like, nope, that's not how I'm, that's not right for me. And I'm not saying that's not right for somebody else. If my inner pilot light had said, yes, follow her instructions, then I would have. So I'm absolutely in no way against Western medicine. I, but I, am, I, I listen to my guidance, and it's individual, just for me. Yes. The journey. And part of that is I'm a doctor. I know how to take care of myself. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend this plan to the average Joe on the street who doesn't have a cell phone full of energy healers and physicians to right. with. <laughs> and 
knowledge myself from having gone through 12 years of education. Mm-hmm. So I trusted also that I have what it takes to, uh, to find the right support people. Part of what I teach in my book, Mind Over Medicine, is that it's a paradox. We can heal ourselves, but we can't do it alone. So you went, you went and you listened and you got guidance on getting a second opinion. Yes. So I did get a second <laughs> opinion. I went to uh, an, an, an expert who deals with really uh, intense wound trauma. Somebody, because the first plastic surgeon that I saw was more of like, you know, your average Marin County um, facelift boob job kind of plastic surgeon. <laughs> True. Beauty I specialist. Went to plastic surgeon who specializes in like war wounds and stuff. Okay. And that surgeon, uh, that doctor was awesome. She, first of all, she's a long term, 30 year meditator. So she understood my practice. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I'm here to consult with you, but here's how we're doing this. My guidance tells me what to do and what not to do. And you're here as my consultant. And my guidance is going to tell me to trust you or not. But please don't take it personally. And she offered, she was amazing. She offered me, here's the options of how we could deal with this. And I'm on board to be part of your healing roundtable and to trust your guidance. And as she offered me the options, uh, I told her what my guidance wanted and what it didn't want. And she said, and I, this was helpful. She said to me, I said, I'm just going to do wound wound healing treatment, but I'm not going to do surgery. She said, I fully believe you. I believe your wound is going to close on its own. She's like, I, my mind is telling me that's impossible because I've never seen a wound like this close on its own. But I, I fully believe you. I believe your wound is going to close on its own. And my, all of my parts relaxed. All of my scared parts relaxed. The minute a doctor in a white coat told me she believed me. Like, I knew it. I knew in that moment. That it wasn't until that moment that I knew the wound was going to close. Yeah, I, I love that story. And so you had this incredible trust and you formed this incredible healing circle of people that trusted yeah. you and allowed you to trust them. And then you basically, you healed. Yeah, she was amazing. Uh, my, my mother was dying and my mother had a, on her bucket list uh, a trip to Africa. She'd never been to Africa on safari. She wanted to go. So I was supposed to go on this trip to Africa with my mother two weeks after the pimple wound. And my doctor now said, this is crazy. I hear you. I understand you have this guidance system, but you're going to take an open wound on a plane? Yeah. With a dying woman? Are you nuts? (laughs) And I was like, please trust me. Please trust me. My inner pilot light is telling me it's safe. And she's like, all right, I'm going to show you how to do what I would do, which includes like cutting off dead tissue of my own wound. Oh my gosh. Which deserves and addressing change. So I did that, and she trusted me with some resistance, and I did it. And my, I took my mother to Africa and Italy, so I was away from my doctor for three weeks when she wanted to see me weekly. And when I came back, she said, oh, my God, I can't believe how fast your wound's healing. And do you have a scar there now? I do. I have a scar. I, I'm really quite proud of it. I feel like it's this like, and, and how large is it? Like, like, I feel like this warrior priestess with my tattoo of my initiation. Wow. Like, and how large is the scar? I mean, like a size of a quarter we're talking about here? 
I, I, I could send you a photo. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> you know, it's about, um, I mean, it's amazing if I... I wish I could show everybody the before and after photos because it's really amazing. I'm super proud of my body. Like the whole time when this was happening, I would have these dreams. It was amazing. I would have these dreams uh, when I'm sleeping of like all of my body's self-repair mechanisms. Like I, I saw these like construction men, like little men inside of me that are like, okay, guys, she's sleeping. Time to get to work. Okay, we gotta build collagen. Come on, we gotta we gotta make stuff here. And I thought I would dream about this construction crew, like laying down uh, collagen. I was on a high protein diet to support the collagen repair process, and I I usually am largely vegan, so I was like eating red meat all the time. <laughs> but um, you needed it. That was part what? But you needed it. Your body yeah, needed my body it. Needed, yeah, like, you have to listen tons to that. Of protein. So yeah. I was eating tons of protein. Um, and every night I was literally having these dreams of my body's repair. I mean, that just shows you the power and depth of your connection. Like I said in the beginning, I was so impressed with your, um, you know, your deep trust of the divine and the amazing strong relationship you have, you know, it's, it's so beautiful. And, you know, I, I, I really want to hear about your, your new work with sacred medicine because it, it leads right into that. This is a really powerful, um, you know, we, we used to live this way, right. And in the modern world, we've lost touch and we did have this, as we were saying earlier, you know, before we were doing the interview that our bodies were all born with this innate sense of healing and this innate trust and these abilities, but we lose touch with those because we're living in modern times now. And, you know, many of us are living in the West and, you know, Um, well, I guess first what I want to say is the practice is learning to trust the small things so that when something like you get attacked by a pit bull happens, you know it's safe. Your parts know it's safe to trust this guidance Mm -hmm. because they've seen it with the small things that weren't as risky. The mind thinks that it's its job to control life. So my mind thinks, but if I want something, now I have to have a strategy how to get it. And if I don't want something, now I have to have a strategy to protect that bad thing from happening. And if there's a problem, my mind thinks it has to solve it. And if there's a decision, my mind thinks it needs to analyze and make a pros and cons list and make a good decision. But if, if I trust my inner pilot light knows how to uh, handle things better than my mind, then I can surrender to that force of love inside of me. Or I can surrender to the divine intelligence, to the organizing intelligence of the cosmos. And my practice for that is to notice, oh, here's my mind wanting this, or trying to solve a problem, or trying to get what it wants. And to remember to make it a practice, to surrender to divine will knowing that my mind doesn't know what divine will is. It's a mystery. And to be humble in the face of that mystery. So, for example, in the case of Pitbull, my mind wants full healing without surgery. Mm. Or my mind wants the plastic surgeon to fix it, or whatever. But divine will wants something for me that is a mystery. I don't know what it is. So I can take the, the problem. The problem is there's now a hole in my leg. And I can surrender it to divine will. 
And I can trust, now that I've let go, I can trust that this force of love will either help me get what I want or help me not want it anymore, <laughs> help me feel my disappointment or my grief or my anger or my loss, to fully feel those human feelings and trust that what is happening is in flow with my soul's journey. And that is not an easy practice because there's thousands of spiritual self-help books that sell millions of copies because we really want to believe that there is a way to ensure that we can always get what we want and avoid what we don't want and that we can avoid pain yeah. and loss and grief. This is why I wrote my book, Fear Cure, because we're really afraid because we can't handle losing what we cherish and we think it's a hostile universe because we don't have paranoia and we think we have to handle it all alone because we don't really believe that we're all one, that everything's connected and that there's a force of love that if we trust and surrender to it, it has such divine intelligence yes. that uh, it can guide us into a life that feels like a constant experience of awe. Awe is what I feel almost, I feel awe. Even as I'm sitting in that bathtub looking at this hole in my leg, I'm crying with the awe of how loved I am because something shocking just happened and it's somehow gonna all be okay. And I'm gonna be telling this story later in some mysterious, I don't know how, what the outcome is going to be, but I know it's all going to be okay because I know how loved I am. And I know there's no way to mess up this human thing. There's no way to do it wrong. And if we actually get that, if we actually let that land all the way in the heart, if you're not in awe, you're not paying attention. Yeah, the practice is so much harder. It's, yeah. It is. It, the practice, even even when you've been practicing for decades, it's still hard. <laughs> you know, it's... It's it, still hard. Yeah, it's still hard. It makes, like, yes, you know how to do it, um, yeah. but it's it's still hard. It, you have to still yeah. remind yourself. So being able to teach people... I still people, have heartbreak. Oh, yeah. I still have grief. I still go into the story of separation, even though I know I'm not separate. Yeah. But I think that's what I, that's why I don't believe in perfect humans anymore. I don't believe I'm ever going to stop feeling that. If my husband dies, I'm going to be heartbroken. I'm going to feel separate because his body is gone, even though I know our consciousness will never be separate. Yeah. If my daughter, if something devastating happens to my daughter, I'm going to go. I'm going to be in pain. Of course, yeah, absolutely. And we're supposed to be because we love that much. Mm-hmm. If I get sick and I have a cancer diagnosis, I'm going to be scared. And I'm also going to be saying thank you for this gift of love. And to hold these paradoxes. The, the mind can't hold paradox. It needs to know, is it black or white? Only the heart can hold paradox. Mm-hmm. And that's where non-dual awareness comes in, for those of you who know what that term means. Mm-hmm. It's that ability to hold infinite points of view as potentially equally true. But that in itself is a practice, you know, not that everybody, is, not everybody not, is practicing a Hindu tradition or, you know, a Vedic tradition that's, you know, or a Buddhist tradition or, you know, a Jewish tradition that is non-dual, you know. Um, well, that's why I, I have a very indigenous soul. So I really, uh, I really uh, relate to, like, if I had to say, what's my religion? I'm an animist with a tantric 
perspective on everything in the universe is sacred and holy, even the things that we have a tendency to demonize or ostracize or exile. Oh, I love that. That's really cool. And I want to ask you one last question because, and that's the perfect into it. You're a mystic, you know, you mentioned <laughs> being with the, the plants and, and communing in, with nature for hours. And yeah. I think that's really beautiful. It's, you know, we, um, we have a lot of big oak trees where I live and, you know, uh, every now and again, you have to have an arborist come over and maintain things. And they're always like, this tree's right next to the house. And if it was my house, I'd be cutting it down. But I'm like, God, it's an 80 foot oak tree. And when I meditate, I can, I, I didn't tell this to the arborist, but I told this to my husband. But yeah, when I'm meditating, I can see all the roots, the three big oak trees interconnected under the house. And he kind of looked at me and, you know, we've been married 20 years, so, but he still looks at me like, yeah, okay, where are you going with this one? <laughs> I, what do you say to that? Because it's, there is this energy that every living creature on the planet has, you know, whether it's an, an animal, a tree, humans, whatever, we are all one and we are all interconnected. And sometimes the elements of nature do push trees over and they do destroy homes. But, um, you know, for me, it's a personal choice I have to make. But the question for you is what, where, when you're having these mystical experiences and communing with nature and are you coming from this sort of place of a tantrica, you know, are you, are you, how are you integrating all of these forces into your life in, in a mainstream sense? Well, I believe everything has consciousness. And so part of the tantric practice is to respect the sacred, the holy in everything. This is part of animus practice. The sort of indigenous worldview is to honor and worship everything as God. Um, this is also very tantric. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be able to hold the infinite paradoxes of, uh, yes, we're all one and we're two on purpose. Part of the non-dual awareness is like, yes, we're one and we're infinite many. This is the feminine, right? This mm-hmm. is the, sort of from the Hindu perspective, the, the oneness, the sort of Advaita Vedanta is sort of mm-hmm. the sacred masculine. The divine feminine is form, the many, the separate, the dual, the polarities that make mention so fun to play with. So for me, being out in nature is an ecstatic experience of appreciating the separateness in a play as like, oh, the tree is me, but it's also not me. Can I have fun playing with the not meanness of the tree? And can we communicate and feel a oneness and also appreciate the beauty of this redwood tree? I live where the redwoods meet the ocean and the mountains, and I spend about three hours a day outside. Everything is talking to me. Everything is connecting with me. Everything is playing with me. And one magic story after another is happening. I don't usually even like to talk about it to people because people don't even often believe me. They think I'm crazy or I'm hallucinating or I'm psychotic or, or something. But for me, it's ecstatic union celebration of our oneness and our separateness. Mm. Everything in nature. The owls, I, I mean, I know all the animals around here. I talk to them. I do ceremony with them. I make offerings to them. Trees and the mountains and the ocean are my best friends. It's beautiful. So, yeah, that's 
And this I, is sometimes I wish I could give people an experience of what it's like to be me because it's so exotic well, to be alive in a body on this earth in our multiplicity with awareness of our oneness. Will Will sacred medicine do that? Do you think? Will sac- your book Sacred Medicine? Oh, will Will you be able to? People step I into your that life. That book is like kicking my butt. That book is its own being, and I am just its servant. Wow, that's amazing. So it's a mystery. I don't know. I don't really have any idea what that book is going to become. I just know it only gives me one instruction at a time, one little breadcrumb at a time, and I have no idea where it's going to end. But I trust. Oh, thank you. It's amazing because you just do incredible work. And the point of this podcast is to really let people talk about their their genuine interests. Because a lot of people, when they're in the you know in the mainstream, have to hold back a little bit, you know. And yeah. the people that I've met through through this world, the consciousness circle, when we talk one on one, there's so much more, you know. And and I really would love to share that with everybody. So that's the purpose of this podcast is to it's a little more esoteric, but I love that because I think it's yeah. important that we're able to speak freely and share our interests. And it's not a crazy subject. There's very real things going on. I just want to say to the listeners. Book was way more fun when you're open and curious because all kinds of magic starts happening. Yes, yes, absolutely, yes. Thank you for taking time out of your extremely busy schedule to oh. talk with me today. And we had an amazingly long conversation about conscious healing and how you can tap into, well, how we can tap into our higher selves to oh. um, access this amazing energy. And um, I guess if you want to learn more about Lisa. And her latest research into sacred medicine, you can go to lissarankin.com, and that's spelled L-I-S-S-A-R-A-N-K-I-N.com. Thank you so much. Oh.